we are going to continue our series called The War, and we are on part three. And so far, what we've covered, uh, it's called The War, Living Life on the Front Lines, because we're in a spiritual battle, and we're just in the battle. Right? It's not over there. It's not somewhere else. We're walking through it, through our lives. And so we have to figure out how to live our lives on the front lines of this battle and how to effectively win. Because if you've read the end of the book, who wins? (laughs) God wins, and whoever's with him is going to come out on the right side. So you don't have to worry about, oh no, the political climate is such and such. Maybe Jesus is going to be overthrown. Well, absolutely not. He is going to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords, no matter what happens with the government of the United States or anything along those lines. And so we stand on a secure, a secure position when we stand on the solid rock, which is Jesus Christ. But we fight this battle on two fronts. And these fronts can seem like they're in tension, um, but... Let's talk about the two, and then I'll explain that they're not. The first front that we fight on this spiritual battle is the battle for everlasting life. There are two destinies that people have. Heaven and hell are real. There is eternal life with God, and then there is destruction. There is, there's hell. It's, it's a very bad deal. And so we want to populate heaven... And get hell as empty as possible. Amen? Bring as many people into everlasting life as possible. What is worth doing? What is worth sacrificing? What is worth striving for to be able to populate heaven? Man, that's a big deal, isn't it? We want to be able to do everything we can to advance the eternal kingdom of God. And then we've got another front which is abundant life today. Jesus said lots of things like, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have come to give them life and life more abundantly. He says to Peter, Peter says, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, those who have given up this, that, and the other thing will not fail to receive a hundred times more in this life and in the life to come Uh, everlasting life. And so we are to also fight for abundant life today. We are to destroy things like poverty and injustice and human trafficking and disease and broken, messed up, horrible relationships and all these things. We are to overcome those things and live abundant life now. And so... If we live a miserable life because we're trying to advance the kingdom of God eternally, we're missing out on this front. And if we just kick back and enjoy life and don't bother with the, the gospel because it's, you know, the, the eternal gospel because it's too much of a hassle and puts a cramp in my style, well, then we're losing on that front. And the reality is, is that the kingdom of God involves advancing both fronts at the same time. 
as the people of God live in abundant life, we have joy and we have resources and we have the ways of God working and it will attract people to the kingdom of God. Because how many people are attracted to a bunch of grumpy, judgmental, poor, sick believers who say, come and have what I've got? You know, who's going to want that? It doesn't make any sense. And so we have to grab hold of the blessings of God in this life while we work for advancing the eternal kingdom of God at the same time. And so those two work together. That's what we're fighting for. We are fighting for eternal life and abundant life. We want to share eternal life with others and we want to experience eternal life. We want to experience abundant life and we also want to help others walk into that as well. That is the battle that we fight. And we have an enemy. And it's the same enemy on both fronts. Satan is real. And the demonic is real. Uh, If you were here last week, I'm sorry that I traumatized you with all the talk of the devil's schemes and everything. The the greeters were really funny. They were like, yeah, those people walking out of the nine o'clock, man. They're just like, what did you say to them? I'm like, well, it was was some tough stuff. But it will bear fruit over time. Because if we're not aware of the devil's schemes, he can trick us. And he can take advantage of us. And he can hurt us. And then... We're not able to live abundant life and we're not able to advance uh, the cause of everlasting life. And so last week we talked about a whole bunch of the devil's schemes and lies that we believe. And man, if we can avoid the devil's schemes and we can believe the truth, we're well on our way to living abundant life now and spreading the, the gospel of everlasting life throughout this world. And so there are, of course, other enemies besides Satan and uh, the demonic forces. We fight lots of enemies throughout this life. You know, just simple, uh, you know, like let's have good marriages inside the church. You know, amen. Let's fight for quality families, for raising kids well. Let's fight for having our finances in order Uh, And all these different things, you know, so we do battle against ignorance and poverty and family problems and crime and addiction, sickness and death. An interesting verse that uh, I didn't get to last week is 1 Corinthians 15, 26. First time I heard this, it kind of sparked my interest. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Hallelujah, the enemy of death is destroyed. But it says that's the last one. That means there's a whole bunch of other ones to conquer on our way there. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. We have lots of enemies to fight while we're alive in this world. And so we fight them, we battle for them, and we are grabbing on to abundant life while working for the eternal kingdom of God. And we fight the enemy, the devil, and all the other forces of darkness in this world. And so today, let's get on to part three. Part three is called the draft. 
So let's pray. We'll get into new material today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, that you don't leave us down here to wander around, do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Lord, guide us this morning. Help us to grab hold of your truth. Help us to see what you've got for us. Lord, each one of us is going through something different and we need a different touch from you. And so I pray by your spirit that you would just touch each one of us with what we need so that we can believe in you better and serve you better. Bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Part three, the draft. I tell you what, I am glad that we don't live in a day where the draft is going on. You know, I've got a 22-year-old boy, a 19-year-old boy, and a 17-year-old boy. And if this was the Vietnam era, I would be freaking out. You know what I mean? That they could take my nice little 19-year-old and send him to Vietnam. You know, like, man, oh, man. And it, it never hit me how significant that was until actually just now thinking about this series and looking at my own children. It's one thing to think of yourself going to war. It's another thing to think of your kids going to war. It's a completely different deal. And so the, the heart connection was so strong. And I just thought, man, that's, that's wild. Today is a good day to be an American. There's difficulties and hardships and, and confusion. But today is a good day to be an American. And... Uh, in the kingdom of God, we're going to talk about being called into service, being basically being drafted. Uh, um, in this war between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, there is a draft. Now, I've always been a little bit confused uh, with the disconnect between certain verses in the Bible and then certain mentalities. And we're going to figure that out because the mentalities aren't completely wrong and we need to see what these verses mean. And so we're going to understand how this goes. And let me give you the second, the second title. Most messages don't have a title that I do. Uh, we just talk about what the Bible says. But this one is the draft. And the second title would be this. The kingdom of God, citizens and soldiers. The kingdom is made up of both citizens and soldiers. And so when we understand there is a distinction between the two, that we all are called to citizenship and the things that are expected of citizens, and that from the citizens some are called to be soldiers, then we'll understand better how these verses fit together. So let's go to Luke chapter 9, 23 and 24. Some nice harsh verses here. Then he said to them, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. And that's written to everybody. Luke 14, 27. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple and Luke 14:33 In the same way if any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple Now don't these seem very very strong If you don't give up everything you have you can't be my disciple 
Well, Peter gave up everything he had, right? And Jesus promised him a return. Now, all of us are called to set our lives down and follow Christ. And that brings us into citizenship in the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven. We become citizens when we set our life down and follow Christ. And he wants us then to walk into abundant life and do battle for everlasting life. And you see these strong verses and it's such a strong call to action. And then then I try to get volunteers to do stuff at the church. And it's, it's difficult. You know what I mean? And we have board meetings and we talk about, well, you know, they're just volunteers, so you can't just like demand things. And like, yeah, that's right. You know? And so then we're trying to figure out how to motivate people and that sort of a thing. And, and so you've got like this sort of disconnect between give up your life and give everything up and like, yeah, but we're just volunteers. You know, isn't that an interesting like, interesting thing? And like, I've never felt like a volunteer. You know what I mean? Like I've felt compelled from the beginning. When I went to my credentialing interview a uh, little over 16 years ago down in the cities where all these people had very fancy haircuts and I was quite impressed with their clothing and I thought, wow, these are fancy people. And I uh, went into the interview and there was like, Six old men in suits that were very stern looking, that were grilling me and Trinette, you know, and it was quite the, quite the thing. And they said, so why do you want to get credentialed with the assemblies of God? Why do you want to become a pastor? You know, in their rather stern, mean way. Nobody was cracking a smile. They kept it in character pretty well. And, uh, and my answer was, well, I just... I can't in good conscience do anything else. I just know this is what I have to do. And I've never felt like I had any other choice. I could either run from God or accept what God had for me. And I never felt like a volunteer. But then I look back and I remember that I have volunteered for various things. You know what I mean? Like, I've volunteered to do things. I heard Rob Ketterling say it this way. He said, people are devoted to God and they're plugged in at your church. So we are devoted to the living God. Amen? We worship and serve and we give everything for God. But we volunteer at the church. You know, we serve, we plug in at the church. And it's a different relationship. You know, uh, I remember volunteering as a church cleaner years, 20 years ago. And then I showed up for the Sunday school teacher meeting as a 20-something young man. They did a, you know, during the announcements, and there will be a Sunday school meeting, you know, on Tuesday at 8 o'clock if anybody would like to come and teach Sunday school. And they were fully assured that the same people would show up that have always showed up. You know, the pastor's wife and the head deacon's wife and a couple other ladies would show up. And I showed up, a 20-something young man at the Sunday school teachers meeting. And I'm like, I want to be a Sunday school teacher. 
And they're like, really? Like, yep. So they gave me the third and fourth grade boys, and we had a fantastic time. And back then, I was super shy and quiet, so I had trouble controlling the third and fourth grade boys. And they'd be climbing under the table and doing all these things. And, and you know, now I'm much more strict because uh, I've realized they're just playing me. You know what I mean? Like, they can sit still. They just aren't because they know they can get away with it. But now I know that, so I make them sit. And one time I was asking one of the questions in the thing, and a kid from under the table answered the question. I'm like, well, at least he's paying attention. You know, that's good. That's good. So I volunteered to do those things, right? I mean, I I felt called to serve God. But then volunteer for various duties, for different things. Volunteer to do this, volunteer to do that. And so... Uh, we have this kind of interesting dynamic where we are called to give all for Christ, but we're also helping out in various ways and volunteering. So it's, it's kind of interesting, and I, I really do think it's helpful to understand that we're devoted to God and we're plugged in at the church. That's one of the big mistakes people can make is confusing God and the church. The church is not God. We do not worship the church. We worship the Lord. And we get plugged in and we have access to ways of working together to serve the Lord through the church. Now, good deal. Citizens and soldiers. Another way I like to talk about this topic is this way. Everyone is called to full-time Christianity. We're all called to be full-time Christians. We're not Christians on Sunday and the rest of the week we're on our own. We're all called to be full-time Christians, but not all of us are called into full-time ministry, into missionary work or pastoral ministry or things of that nature. Now, people can go on short-term missions trip and uh, things like that, and every... Christian is called to minister at times. Amen? We all minister one way or another. Somebody needs a friend to talk to. Somebody needs a smile and a hug. Somebody needs help carrying something. Whatever it is, we can come in and we can minister. But there's a different thing between ministering, leading a small group, doing different things, versus selling everything you own and going on to the mission field. Or becoming a, a full-time pastor where that's your only source of income is, is preaching and, and the church. You know, those are two different things. And so some people are called to be full-time in ministry, but everybody is called to full-time Christianity. So let's look at what Jesus says in John chapter 15. And I I gave out bonus treasures in heaven last night, but nobody claimed them. And we'll see if anybody can get this one. Though it was close. Daniel was awful close. He'll get half credit for that. He'll get half credit. So, where did Jesus say this? In John 15, we'll start in verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. We're going to look through a few things that he says, but does anybody know the context of John 15? 
It's the Last Supper. Very good. So Jesus is speaking at the Last Supper. So this is not the Sermon on the Mount with thousands of people. This is the last time Jesus gets to sit down with his disciples and have a nice, long, quiet conversation because it's all going to hit the fan in just a couple hours. And so now is when Jesus is really hitting the meat. You know what I mean? Like he's, this is his last shot to speak to the disciples. And he knows what's going on. They're not really sure. And so Jesus says some very, very important things. And several chapters here are at the Last Supper um, that John records. But let's just look at this little bit, few verses here in John chapter 15. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus, of course, is talking about what he's about to do. But this is also, he's saying, you know, as I have loved you, love one another. This is, this is soldier talk, right? Laying down your life for your friends, for those around you. This is, this is a significant statement. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. So think of the moment. It's the Last Supper, and they've been through lots of stuff together. And, you know, Peter's stuck his foot in his mouth more than once, and Jesus has had to, you know, come on them. And they've been, you know, James and John tried to get in the cabinet before the other ones, and he had, Jesus had to call a staff meeting and get the strife among the disciples settled. And Judas has already left by this point. You know, he's, he's gone all indignant, selling out Jesus. And, and they've had their struggles. And here Jesus says, I don't call you servants, but you guys are my friends. He says that to the 11. This is a powerful moment. He says, you, you know, because I've let you know everything. I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. So he starts this little section with love each other. Then we read through and we finish with love each other. And the thing that's interesting in there with regards to the draft is Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you. He says this to his disciples to the apostles to the 11 remaining he says you didn't choose me i have chosen you have have we chosen christ or has christ chosen us well he has uh he has offered every human being on this planet the opportunity to become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven And to follow him. 
So has he chosen everyone? Or has he chosen specific people? Well, he has offered citizenship to everyone. And out of that group, some are called to be soldiers. Let's read, in order to to tie this together, let's go to um, Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. Luke 6. On one of those days, so this is early in Jesus' ministry, very early. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So Jesus spent all night praying. Why did he spend all night praying? Because he had some important decisions to make. And he needed the input of the Father. So he's praying and he's asking, how do I organize this? He prays all night long. Look at the next verse. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. And then the next couple verses list the 12. So Jesus spent all night praying, and then he gathers all those who have said, yes, I want to be a citizen in the kingdom of God. And he says, okay, everybody come here. James, John, Peter, Andrew, you know, come on. You 12, you come with me. He chose out of the big group, that small group, for special purposes. So when Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you. There was a day when he did that, where there was a big group of people and he picked 12 of them and said, come on. And so I'm sure they thought of that day. That was about three years before the Last Supper. Come with me. And so he pulled out of the rest of the group a small group of apostles, of soldiers. They were drafted out of the citizens and chosen to become soldiers. Now everyone has an important role to play in the kingdom of God. Amen? This is a, one of the great devil's schemes that we did not cover last week, which is, my role doesn't really matter. That is a lie. It is absolutely just a terrible, terrible lie. Because every role matters. And from the guy talking up in the front, let me tell you, every role matters. And Even the person who is not doing anything but just shows up for church. Man, that's a big deal. I mean, how much fun would this be if I was here by myself? You know, that'd be no good. And what could we accomplish? It's a a very important thing even to just show up for church. It's significant. It's powerful. Every role matters. The role of citizen is essential. And the role of soldier is also essential. So there are expectations of citizens of the kingdom and then there are different expectations for the soldiers. If you know what I'm so what I'm talking about is citizens are the believers, the followers of Christ and the soldiers are the ministers, the missionaries and pastors and and the people who are called to set aside their uh secular vocation and serve the Lord in that way. 
And I mean, you can be bivocational and that sort of a thing. Sometimes the soldiers have to work to pay for their own wage. Uh, but you can see that differentiation between citizens and soldiers. The expectations on citizens receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, worship God, believe in God. Do you know the difference between Savior and Lord? So the Savior part is, we're going to take communion. The Savior part is He saves us from our sins. We are forgiven and brought into reconciliation with God and receive everlasting life. We're saved from damnation and destruction. We're also saved from a horrible, sin-ridden, disastrous life. We're brought into newness of life. We're saved from these difficult things. Everybody wants to be saved from hell. Lord means he's the authority over you. He is your Lord. So when Jesus says jump, you say how high, right? If Jesus says jump and you're like, I think that's an Old Testament thing that we don't need to do. Then then Jesus is not your Lord. He's just someone you want to keep you out of hell, but you're not going to follow him and do what he says. So we accept Jesus as Savior, but also as Lord. Every citizen has to do that and worship and believe. Um, We are to gather together. We're to work together. The citizens come together and honor and worship God and serve God together. Um, Hebrews 10.25. We'll just do Hebrews 10.25. We're called to come together. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. People were skipping church in the New Testament time. Isn't that amazing? Like this has been going around for a long time. Like, because, you know, there were like miracles and incredible things going on. It was just like, wow. And then it sort of slowed down a little bit. You know? And people were like, eh, I don't know. It hasn't been that great lately. And then they just stayed home. And so... Here in Hebrews, don't give up. Let's encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. Let's help each other. Let's encourage each other. So the citizens are called to gather together. Citizens are also called to pay their taxes. Did you know that? We have a military. What if we had no taxes? How would they do? They'd be done. You know, they'd have cardboard swords and they'd be going... Wherever around the world, they'd be in real, real trouble. If the taxes weren't paid, the military wouldn't be a military. And we'd be run over. And so the citizens pay the taxes. We're called as citizens to serve and to volunteer in various ways. Also, some citizens will be drafted into service. And they will be called into a deeper sacrifice to serve the kingdom. So we've covered now the expectations of citizens. Let's look at the expectations of soldiers. For soldiers, the expectation is to do whatever it takes to rescue the lost from the fires of hell and help the citizens enjoy abundant life. Do whatever it takes to rescue people from hell and to 
teach the citizens, protect the citizens, defend the citizens so they can understand how to attain and grab hold of and maintain abundant life. That's what the soldiers do. Paul explains it this way to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. So Timothy was prophesied over. This boy has a call on his life. And he was drafted from a citizen into service. And Paul is encouraging him. 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 1. You then, my, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So here, as a soldier, Timothy is called to be a recruiter. Recruit people who can be entrusted with the mysteries of God. Verse 3. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So as a soldier, Timothy is to endure hardship. He's to make sacrifices. No one, and then verse 4, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. So Paul says to Timothy, don't get messed up with all this other stuff. Don't get distracted. You've got a job to do. Everybody else can do that other stuff. You don't get to do it. You just focus on the church things. You focus on evangelism. You focus on discipleship. You do that. Don't get involved in civilian affairs. Verse 5. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. So he's telling Timothy also, you have to submit to God's authority and you have to do things God's way. You don't get to just, you know, Draw crowds however you want. You know, churches nowadays, they'll give away a free car. You know, oh, we had a million people come to church because we gave away a car. Well, who cares? You know, people weren't coming to worship God. They weren't coming for life change. They're coming because they wanted to win a car. You know, uh, I guess it's however you want to do it to try to tell people the truth. But for me, let's tell them the truth. And if they want it, let's tell them some more. Compete according to the rules. Verse 6. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. So he's saying to Timothy, now you're working hard for the Lord. You should be able to get an income from that. You shouldn't have to. I mean, sometimes I've been bivocational. You know, I used to work full time just to support my preaching habit. But, uh, you know, but generally speaking, people who are called into ministry, somebody else Helps them. That's where the taxes come in. So you can share in the crops, Timothy. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. So Timothy is shown that he should recruit and train others who can then carry on the work. He's to endure hardship as a good soldier. Submit to God, do the right thing, and receive the benefits of it. I'm going to invite the uh, ushers up, and uh, if the prayer teams, if you're not being an usher to hand out uh, the communion elements, um, prayer teams come up as well. We're going to take communion this morning. It's the first weekend of the month. We always take communion on the first weekend. And so, um, 
As they're coming up and uh, going to hand out communion, of course, the reason we take communion is to remember what the Lord Jesus has done for us. We serve a God who uh, doesn't just make demands, but who also makes sacrifices. And I tell you what, to serve a Lord who loves you so much that he would die for you in the way that Jesus died is a privilege that words cannot express. I didn't get to pick the character of God. You know what I mean? I just showed up in this world and found out who God was. And it turned out that there is a God whose love for you is unmatchable and unextinguishable and he has given everything for you and we celebrate that when we take communion and so we're going to recognize the body of Christ which was broken that signifies our healing by his stripes you are healed He brings healing into our life. And the blood is the blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And so we have forgiveness in what Christ has done. So we have forgiveness to move forward into a new future with God. And we have healing because there are lots of things we need healing from so that we can move forward into abundant life with God. And so we need to give thanks and remember what Jesus has done. And then I'm going to invite people up for personal prayer as we do on every service. But I'm going to stay up here too because the reality is is that God needs more soldiers. And if you're someone who has felt in their heart I need to be a soldier I'm a citizen but I'm feeling called into something greater something more let me tell you if you're called to be a soldier you will never be satisfied being a citizen But if you're not called to be a soldier, it's going to be a painful, uh, unnecessary bunch of misery for you if you walk into it. I've seen people presumptively walk into ministry who shouldn't be there and have nothing but pain. And that's a heartbreak too. I think God honors our willingness even if we step out presumptively. But it, it messes up that abundant life thing. I've seen people destroyed by ministry. It's a painful, painful deal. God will comfort them. But the reality is, there's work to be done in this war. And we need more soldiers. We need more people who have been called by God to step into the next thing. And if that's you, if you can feel that on the inside, 
you come up here. I'm going to make you come up here. You come up here and you talk to me. All other prayer needs go to the prayer teams. And if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, come to the prayer teams. You need physical healing, a relationship restored. You've got a financial need. You need a blessing of some kind. Come and, and receive that. But if you're, if you're called to be a soldier, if you've been drafted and you can feel it in your heart, come talk to me. Let's pray. Let's receive communion together this morning. The Heavenly Father, we honor you and we worship you. We will not forget the sacrifice that Jesus has made on the cross. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for shedding your blood for our forgiveness and submitting your body to be broken that we could receive healing. Lord, let us not let those promises go without grabbing them in their fullness. Lord, heal our hearts. Heal our consciences. Lord, heal our emotions. Heal us physically. Heal our spirits. And let us believe completely in your forgiving power, not holding on to any shame, not holding on to any darkness from the past, but knowing that we're born again and free. Thank you for what you've done. Let us never forget. Let's partake together. This is the body of Christ which was broken for you. Hallelujah. And this is the blood of Christ which was shed for you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I'm going to close us in prayer now and then invite people forward. So, Father, I just pray a blessing over each person in this place. I pray your peace would be in us. Lord, that your joy would overflow through our hearts into this world. So bless us in that way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.